now the perspective is, okay, this is something we want, not this is something that's forced upon us. Right. And the want is we want to be good at onboarding someone fully remotely, building relationships, connecting them to clients and helping them thrive and having a great career. And we also want to offer that experience in the office. And so just like everyone who's wasn't really hybrid before, who's looking at that now, just like all those other companies, and there's a lot to contend with. Welcome to Think Beyond Space, the PDX Workplace Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Blake St. Ange, principal for the Portland office of Cressa, a global corporate real estate firm. From the people, the culture, and their thoughts on the future of work, we sit down with leaders from Portland's most respected companies to learn about what makes their workplaces tick. We also dive into the commercial real estate markets and workplace trends that will help shape the future of business in Portland for years to come. Subscribe at Cressa.com slash Portland or wherever you find your podcasts. Welcome back to the podcast. I am super excited to have Colleen Murray with me. Colleen is the Director of Operations and Shareholder with Perkins & Company downtown. Colleen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Blake. I'm thrilled to be here. So Colleen, we've had our paths have crossed, I think really in the last 14 months, but we've never had a chance to actually meet until today. Yes, it proves that relationships can be built yep. via Zoom or you know through a pandemic, I guess. Yeah. And, and uh, I didn't mention this before, but I did look in your bookcase and Never Eat Alone is one of my, it's really one of my Bible books in just career and in life. So I see that you have it too. So I do. I actually, spirits. I have some Perkins library books. I can't say I've finished it, but it's definitely in my bookcase. Well, there's two copies I see. Yeah. So there you go. It, uh, it might be on the list of a very long business book list. <laughs> Well, put it to the top because it's very okay, good. Okay. So um, for those that may not know about you or may not know about Perkins and Company, mm -hmm. um, why don't you just share a little bit about your career journey, a little bit about what Perkins and Company does, and mm -hmm. we'll start the discussion from there and then see how it goes. Great. So Perkins is one of, if not the largest locally owned CPA firms in Portland, and we service Portland metro area and beyond especially um, since the pandemic. I think our beyond has expanded. And I've been with the firm this August will be 19 years, wow. which is somewhat unusual. Yeah, I think. very. Thankfully, the, you know, the firm has had a good steady growth, which has given me a lot of continued development opportunities. But I started here in HR. So graduated with a business degree from Puget Sound up in Tacoma and started in staffing, was really drawn to recruiting and people, this people interaction. Um, ended up at Deloitte & Touche for a year, which was my first exposure to public accounting. And really, unless you're an accountant in school, I don't think a lot of people think about the industry public accounting, right? Yeah. But I found myself um, surrounded by really smart people who were very service oriented and it somehow stuck and ended up making my way to Perkins and spent the first 10 years in human resources, uh, which was so thrilling. You know, I did college recruiting and experienced higher recruiting and all facets of HR and really helped the company grow and become more sophisticated over time. I think we had 65 employees when we, I started and we're now at 180. Wow. And then about eight years ago, I was lucky enough that my boss, who was a CPA and the chief operating officer, retired. And I was able to succeed her as the director of operations. And I didn't take over the finance department. I don't know why you would give that to a non-CPA. <laughs> but other than that, um, have you know followed in her footsteps and been a part of Perkins' leadership transformation to the next generation, from the original owner group to, to us. Wow. So yeah. when you were in school, did you think... I can't wait to be in HR. What was your, what was your thought and your question. plan? And then what sort of led you to where you are? My dad likes to tell the story of when I was a 
young teen, he sold his business at the time, which sold computers. I don't actually think I really know what it did. (laughs) And I was really disappointed because he didn't know that I was going to run that company later. Uh So somewhere early on, I was ready to have a briefcase and be a businesswoman um, at that point. So when I was in school, I I knew what I was going to major in before I got there, which isn't always the case for people. Yeah. Um, so I felt lucky that way. But then when I graduated, I was like, what do I do? Business is huge. Where do I go? And my dad said, I'm this old. Look in the paper. <laughs> you know, and so I, I mean, I believe a lot about where our careers go is about following your intuition. Yeah. And listening to what you like, what you don't like, what you're good at and what you're not good at. And somehow it led me here. So you started in recruiting and then did that. And did you just see sort of the companies who you were recruiting for? And you're like, man, I'd really enjoy to be on the other side of that versus basically cold calling all day long and trying to figure out how to fit one person to a company or vice versa. Right. And I worked in the accounting and finance division of the staffing company that I was in, interestingly. Not so you by couldn't cho- get away from it? Not by choice. Yeah, yeah I, was, <laughs> I was destined from the beginning. I, I wasn't a great recruiter because I actually really only spent time talking to the candidates. And I was interested in how they got to where they were, their career development, what interested them, and you know, how to, how to help them find a place where really you need to be more balanced in helping the client, paying yeah. client, the company find candidates. So going in-house, which again, I wasn't seeking out specifically an HR job or a, excuse me, a recruiting job, but that turned out to be a real source of joy for me in work was being able to be in-house at a company, understand what they were all about, and then get people to come here. And tell them, I think this is going to be where, you know, where you can thrive. Yeah. So I, I love that. I was ready to move on into operations after a decade doing that. But I just was in an interview the other day and I could not stop talking. I was just so into it. So um, it just goes to show where your where your heart lies. Yeah. So does your so now as the director of operations at Perkins, do you blend that line between HR, people, culture and operations together? Or is there yeah. a separate? group that does sort of HR or is it all together wrapped up? Yeah. So we have a a great HR team. We've got three individuals. Um, I oversee the HR department. So they're responsible for, you know, 99% of what, of what happens. But when you work at a professional service firm and you're in operations, everything is still about people. Yeah. Everything we do comes back to how's our workforce going to work with this? Enjoy it. Does, does it make sense? How do we make anything happen is about how we motivate and support people. Yeah. So uh, looking at the calendar uh, that you have in your office, which which I think is hilarious, March, 2020. So the last 15 months, what, so the people part of things and making sure that people felt safe and secure from an organizational perspective, when all this stuff happened last March, what are some of the things that you guys sort of put in place day one at Perkins and then sort of walk through some of that journey to where you guys might be now. And uh, just walk me through some of the things that you guys had, had to deal with operationally for the company. And then we'll maybe get into some of the things that you learned personally from that. Sure. Making the call to effectively close the office or send everyone home was challenging because as every CPA will remember, it was in the middle of busy yeah. season. <laughs> yeah. So thank God it got extended, but uh, <clears throat> at least for those that were. Sure. You know. Sure. I mean, there's probably people on both sides of enjoying it and yeah, not yeah, exactly it, that first year. So I think there was a strong desire to try to get through March 15th, 
which is a big deadline. But at the same time, we, you know, it wasn't really clear that it was time to close the office until just after that, really, yeah. right around the same time. And one of the things that I have appreciated about working with leadership at Perkins and being at Perkins is that we've never struggled to figure out what matters most in this process. And everyone was always aligned that it was health and safety of yeah. our employees and their families, um, clients as well, obviously. But when we're talking about closing the office, it's predominantly affecting the employees. Right. And so we said, okay, this is it, you know, gulp. Um, everyone take home anything you need, your desk chair, your sit stand station, all of your computer peripherals, take it home. And in truth, People sort of you know, took their laptop and maybe the keyboard and right, said, right. okay, you know, we all, we all still had that short-term thinking about yeah. when this would actually yeah. end. So over time, I would say we we did a better job of adapting to our, um, our home environments. And, you know, then as it's gone on, I think we've been really sensitive to the risk levels in the county. We've decided that it was really important for us to stick to that as a guide uh, for Multnomah County. And be sensitive to what stress our employees were under. And mm -hmm. that reopening the office comes with a lot of activity. Mm -hmm. It comes with needing to clarify expectations. Again, a kind of a destabilizing of your routine. Because maybe three months after we all went home, we had a new routine. Right. We got used to that. Yep. You know? That's um, right. And that became the norm. So we've attempt we hoped we could reopen in January. And as everyone knows, that was not a good time to do that. And then once busy season started, we were pretty resigned to say we we're gonna wait until after. What ended up being March 17th, the extended deadline, and then waited for the county to get to low risk. And then when, as I told you before, when we really yeah. got down to it, there was a lot involved oh. in bringing 180, not 180 people, because we're not expecting everyone yeah, to come right, back. Right. But bringing a large group of people back to an office they haven't been in for over a year. Yeah. Lots of considerations. Yeah. And I think as we were talking just before we started, started talking on the show is that you know, some of the things that the physically coming back in the office and working through some of the safety protocols and all those things are really important. But some of the things that you don't think about is, yeah, if you come in and, and you haven't used a network, the actual hardline network for a long period of time, right. what happens? Can you get access? And then it's almost getting back into routine. I think, it, the you know, 21 days is like the day is like how you get into routine. Right. Doing the same thing for 21 days over a period of time. And so doing face-to-face -face things I mean, sort of relearning how to do small talk with people, right? Relearning how to communicate face-to-face. -face. We're so used to now being in Zoom and that sort of stuff. And so then figuring out what that's going to be like when people actually come back is going to be, I think, it's a real a challenge. It's a lot. And we've thought about that extensively in our reopening planning, which is how do we make people feel okay about this? Yeah. How do we give them the space to re-enter in the way that, that works for them and their family? And that might be slowly. It might be that they're vaccinated and they still want to wear a mask. It might be that they need to wait until school starts to know what kind of right. routine they're yeah. going to have. And so creating enough structure so that it's not complicated to come yeah. back, that that there's clarity and and it feels planned, yeah. but creating enough flexibility that we are not out of a pandemic. Right. And we haven't done these things in so long. It's a, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm personally, I'm, I'm thrilled. And I keep trying to tell myself, you know, beyond the vaccine, there isn't something else. So yeah. now that you're here, you know, what do you want to, how do you want your life to look? And what do you right. want that to be like? Right. Um, and for each person, it's different. Yeah. So. And so uh, in the last 15 months, have you guys onboarded or recruited or, or added people to the team to the 180? 
and what's that been like? I mean, how do you, that, that's part of the, part of the challenge in here is like, you know, when you're onboarding someone in normal times, it's like, get, come in, you meet different people, yeah. you sort of do a waiver on the office and all those sorts of things. What's it been like remotely? How many people have you guys brought on maybe in, in, you know, since the pandemic hit and then how have you done that? Well, you'd have to ask our recruiting team of two because I'm not, I haven't counted, but you know, we always have a huge group. More than one. We have, we have, we have more than one person. Exactly. We have over 15 people that start with us just at the beginning of busy season. And that includes, you know, full-time regular employees as well as seasonal. We have a great seasonal team that helps us deal with the peak times during busy season. And we spent a lot of September, October, November, December, planning on how we were going to bring those people on, but yeah. also how we were going to help them be successful. Because your first busy season in public county is hard, no matter what, um, especially if you didn't have an internship or you're right out of college. Right. And then the added layer of who are all these people? I'm on the computer all the time. I'm at home. You know, maybe my family doesn't live here because I went to school, you know, they're in Eugene and now I'm up in Portland, whatever right. that might be. Um, so I think we did well. I think we we were thoughtful, but we've got a lot to do to make it better. Yeah. And now the perspective is, okay, this is something we want, not this is something that's forced upon us. Right. And the want is we want to be good at onboarding someone fully remotely, building relationships, connecting them to clients, and you know, having helping them thrive and having a great career. Yeah. Um, and we also want to offer that experience in the office. And so just like everyone who's who wasn't really hybrid before, who's looking at that now, just you know, like all those other companies, um, there's a lot to contend with. Yeah, from a recruitment <laughs> there's perspective. A, there's, well, I'm in, I, absolutely, but thinking about culture. I yes, think thinking about yeah, culture and operations, yeah. which is, you know, now we have to outfit all of our conference rooms as Teams rooms. Yeah, We're using right. Microsoft Teams so that it is seamless that there be three people in a meeting who aren't in the office and yeah. there be f- one to eight people in the office. Yeah. Who knows what that looks like? And how do you do that in a way where you can anticipate the challenges and you try to set the tone right in the beginning? Yeah. The challenge is being, if the office be, you know is quite populated and we've got a, a, you know, a third or less of the o- people out of the office, do they feel like they're missing something? Right, right. Do they feel like they're not heard or that they're not connected. Right. That is absolutely not acceptable. Yeah. So, but we don't have experience doing right, that. Right, exactly. There we go. Yeah. So, yeah. The, I mean, it's uh, being in operations at a professional service firm is awesome because it there's always something new. Yeah. And I I don't ever wish a pandemic ever ever <laughs> again. But it really accelerated our timeline to get here. We were going yeah. to get here as a company anyway. Yeah, I was going to ask, you know, pre-COVID if, if the, what the remote policy was like if you had one. And then, I mean, obviously that it, many companies takes three, five years to actually right. implement something. And then, you know, you do it in literally 30 <laughs> days a day or whatever. Right. right. So did you have something pre-COVID? Did you guys have a remote policy or was it pretty much come to the office? This is your space. You can work remote if it's a sick day or whatever, client day or exactly. whatever. There yeah. wasn't actually. A, no, that a was deep. us. Yeah. yeah. We have one office space in downtown Portland. Yeah. Two full floors. We always had space for everyone and we were always together. Yeah. And it is, it was and is a part of our culture, but it can't define the culture being in person. So figuring out, okay, so if, if we don't have that with everyone, then, you know, how do we make it, how do we make the, the good things co- happen yeah. that, that can come about when you're, when you're in person? So I remember it was January of 2019. I spoke at the company meeting on our space planning strategy and, you know, we had a long time on our lease, you know, back then still, yeah. 
but wanted to respond to the reality that we're going to change. Yeah. And some of the things that we hold near and dear, which is everyone has their own cube and their own office or whatever that might be. One person, one space yeah. was going to need to change. And then our ability to trust each other when we couldn't see each other mm-hmm. was going to be challenged and need to change. And I think at the time it was really sort of theoretical. Right. You know, we were sort of laying the groundwork, yeah. at least in the conversation. But the the other point was to say, we hear what employees are saying. We as an owner group are experiencing what those employees are saying, which is it's difficult to buy a house close to the office. Mm-hmm. My commute is taking longer than it ever did. You know, I want that time back in my life. And I need more flexibility mm-hmm. in general. So I'm thankful that we were there at that point yeah. because this this was just an acceleration then yeah. instead of an complete overhaul of our right. thinking. It was a live test case, right? Like it's totally. an absolute live test case where now and now like getting back to what what it's not getting back, but maybe going in forward to what the right. next thing is. It's like, okay, so how then do we implement all of those things? And like you said, if you've got a call with 10 people and five are in the office and five are elsewhere remote, right? I mean, how equitably, what does that look like? And right. if it's an aspirational organization, in some cases where it's like, you know, if I don't see you, you're not working, that that trust thing is such an important piece that I think people are trying to figure out right now. And it's almost like we had such a change for the last 14 months. And it's almost like the next 14 months are going to be a new change too. And yeah. from a leadership standpoint, it seems that you have to have a little bit of that. Okay, we're going to try this, but everyone knows like this is not set in stone. It's just... <laughs> We got a toe in. We're just figuring it out. And I think building that trust between employer and employee is so key. And it seems like you guys absolutely have that, you know, here. I I hope so. You know, one of our core values is evolve daily. And boy, that's been true. (laughs) Jeez. Absolutely. And, you know, for the life of someone in professional services, that's the name of the game. Things are always changing and they're always learning, you know, always learning new things. But that evolution is going to continue. It's, I mean, we're all tired, but to think that we weren't already evolving all the time, it's just maybe different and yeah. it's, un- and it's um, unexpected and it's yeah, in new ways, but there was change before. Yeah. Now you just, it's right in your face. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the, so what is the plan for, for you guys in the next 12 months? I mean, is it, is it to go full remote? Is it to have some people in the 50, 50, a hybrid? I mean, we're all, there's so much content out there about, and it's all frankly, theoretical content of course. because everyone's just trying to, we think this is going to work now. Nah, I don't know. This might work. We're this trying might it work. out. Yeah. So what are you guys going to try out? So I think the, between now and I would say next busy season. So the end of our calendar year is a lot of flexibility and re-entry, meaning we're not putting a lot of hard and fast rules in place because people don't have the freedom necessarily and flexibility to make those decisions yet. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe they have felt vaccine hesitant and they're not sure if they want to do that or when they want to do that. Again, we mentioned the families. I mean, yeah. I think that that's not done. No. Daycare, school, yeah. kid vaccination, family safety considerations. So we're reopening the office and saying, you don't need to come to the office if you're not comfortable doing so. And we're also not requiring that you figure out your plan, your work schedule, and not your work schedule, but your in-office versus out-of-office schedule yet. Yeah. I suspect, I hope, by December, we'll we'll all know a lot more and have experienced a lot more, and we yeah. can say, okay, let's let's sort of settle in, so that we all have some sort of clarity about an advisor can understand what their advisees are doing. And, right. Right. Um, 
and we can get into a routine. Yeah. So, you know, with regards to space too, right now we've got enough space for people to keep their offices and their desks, but it doesn't make sense if someone hardly comes into the office right, exactly. to keep them an yeah. office full of, full of a few things. So yeah. we're starting the transition to some hoteling Yeah. and we'll just play it by ear yeah. and see how fast or slow that goes. Yeah. I think that that's a big thing that, that a lot of companies are sort of wrestling with is, you know, March 20th or March 15th, 2020, everyone left and my workstation had pictures of my family and they had, you know, tchotchkes or whatever you yeah. want to put it, you know, plants or other things there. I'm going to come back now and I'm going to share that space with one person, half a per, you know, half a person, two people, whatever the hoteling, whatever the case might be. Then how do you do appropriate change management communication around that? And how do you, again, going back to this sort of equitable situation, like how do you make sure people know that they still want to, this is still our culture. We're still like, how do you, how do you rebuild that? Or how do you continue to build that when you're sort of taking something away, sure. but not, but, but also it's like the taking of a physical desk space away, but sort of the give of almost optimal flexibility. Right. Right. And right. how that gets communicated. And again, goes back to the whole trust thing between an employer and employee. Right. Like, what well, how's that trust built? And classic change management, which is yeah. how do people deal with change and change behavior. And I think a huge part of it is, I, I kind of call it leaking, but really it's just communicating early. So we just communicated our office reopening timing, which is in early July. And the handout says, at some point, people probably won't have offices and desks if they're either mm -hmm. fully remote or partially, mostly remote. Yeah. But we're not there yet, yeah. right? Get that information going. And Truthfully, I mean, employees, one thing that it might be so totally obvious, but I think sometimes in leadership, we forget it. If something doesn't make sense, people are going to hate it. So make sure yeah. that there's you've thought through why. Why is any of this happening? Yeah. Does it make sense? The trade off that you talked about based on surveys and based on, I guess, the conversations that I've had in focus groups. I think people want that flexibility more yeah. than they need a private space that has their personal items on it, particularly now, because now they've got. A workspace if they wanted and it's at home right we're yeah. giving them the freedom to to have that be a place as well so you know not everyone's gonna feel the same and it's not yeah, always gonna be perfect right. but yeah. give people a heads up yeah you know this this is probably where it's coming this is probably where it's going and um and then don't make decisions in a vacuum right and you'd think that's obvious but it's not sometimes and you got to stop and say wait am i speaking for the workforce or am i speaking for my own self yeah my own crazy thinking and sometimes that that myopic thinking is it, it, it can be challenging because it's like well that's not the way i would do it but right there's 180 people right, right. or a large or organization 10,000 people yeah or there's you know what i mean and so it, it, it is it's challenging sort of to to think outside of that but it's it's critically important and i right. think also when you're thinking about retaining employees and recruiting employees i mean we're seeing stuff all over the place that you know some organizations are like yep yeah, we're back in the office everyone's gonna be back like they're losing people and so then, then i it's would just, think it's uh yeah it's it's just a I don't know. I think there's all the change we've gone through, like I said, in the last 12, 14 months, we're going to see sort of equal change of what's, you know, uh, right. the next and, and how companies and leaders are going to adapt to that. Right. And part of it is, I think, in the beginning, too, is everyone was in that boat of everyone's working from home. So leadership, you didn't have to have much leadership to to say everyone work from home. Now you have to have much stronger leadership to say, OK, now we're propelling to what's next. Right. To something new. And to know that you as a leader or a supervisor or an advisor, you have to think differently now. You have yeah. to you have to engage differently, you have to be intentional in ways you didn't you weren't before. It's 
it's quite a transformation. And when you're talking about decisions and trust and communication, there was um, a person some years ago at one of our partner retreats who said, um, facilitator who said, you need to be ready for everything to change except for your core values and your mm. purpose. Everything and anything. And it was the first time someone had said it that way, which meant the tools you use, the way you do it, who yeah. you do it with, what you do, yeah. right? Yeah. Except for your core values. And so I'm thankful that we have that for at Perkins and that we're clear on it because it is the grounding point for when we're making a decision or we're not sure how to lead or what to, where to take the next step. It's always, well, first find out what our employees think, but they're not all going to think the same thing. Right. You don't get to always have 100% agreement. Right, so you're yeah. always going to bum someone out or yeah. or confuse someone or disappoint someone. Right. But if you can come back to your core values and you tie that to why this is happening, it, there's congruity there or congruency there that an employee senses and, and understands and says, okay, I get it. Like, yeah. I might not like that. Right, right, exactly. But I trust it because I understand why you came up with yeah. it. It's, it's almost putting a business case together, right? Whenever totally. you go to get approval for something, it's like, Every okay, well, here's the reason why we're doing it. Here's what the impact's going to be and all, of, you know, right. all those things. And try not to spring it on people. Yeah. Try not to, yeah. you know, if you really want that's a, that's yeah, to get that's adopted. A, I know. It's that's hard. A, that's but. tough. That, that is, yeah. How do you appropriately leak things out to, you know, a big group? And then because that, that you know, immediately you're, you'll get feedback one way or the other. Right. right? And they're going to ask the questions that you've sort of already may have answered. You're just not. That's not part of the leak. It's like, you know, yeah. that's, managing that is this tough. Well, and with change management, number one, build awareness. Yeah. It's the beginning. And you got to do it usually a bunch of times. So one of the things that I have appreciated out of the last 14 months is that we are communicating, I think, more frequently and in more yeah. ways yeah. than we did before. We were too reliant on being physically together. Right. And there being some sort of mutual understanding or maybe a handout left in the kitchen yeah. you know, that people could see. And it's like, now we have to make sure that everyone can yeah. see things and they don't just see it at a point in time that a new hire can come and really build a backstory and catch up on you know, what's happened in the last yeah. six months. And I love that. I love that evolution for us and, and that sophistication yeah. for, for, for a business. So you've been director of operations for how many years? I think About eight, eight years. years. So the last year, is almost like eight years in itself in one year. But what have you learned personally? I mean, per we've talked a lot about, you know, what per what, what you've done at Perkins and what you guys have gone sort of gone through transformation wise. What about you as a leader? What are the things that you have learned personally? Well, I was reminded of the importance of self-care that, you know, as a leader, you should be used to primarily supporting others, hearing the things they need to say, mm -hmm. whether it be a complaint or they're upset for the day or mm -hmm. their frustration or their celebrations, but it got so intense for so many reasons why our mental health was really challenged. It was before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. It was extreme during the pandemic and I guess the pandemic's not over. Right. Mm -hmm. So elevating mental health, the conversation of it, but then as a leader saying, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. You know, I called up my therapist and I said, are you still working? Do you, do you have room for me? Because <laughs> yeah. I need it. And it's not just yeah. for personal, you know, and emotional support, but for work support. Right. Being challenged with things I haven't dealt with before right. um, or that are, you know, that are new to me and, and hard. So self-care, I think, and I hope for organizations that our attention that we've had on mental health and our promotion of, of um, services to our workforce continues, because I think that's super important. I think change was, you know, how you 
how you look to the people around you when you're going through change, what you model, mm. and what kind of optimism that you bring or perspective of opportunity without diminishing the realistic concerns yeah. and yeah. reactions that right. people have to change. Um, I, I'm lucky that I, th I think... I definitely like stability. Clearly, I've been at the same company for like 19 years. <laughs> I, I like stability. I work with accountants, right? Yeah, right, right. But I like change. You know, I was the kid that always rearranged their their bedroom mm -hmm. because I always wanted to see things a little bit differently or, or experience something yeah. new. So I feel thankful that I'm in that role where I yeah. can help shepherd a bit. But I also can't run steam ahead like, yeah, let's do this different, you right. know, because there's there are implications yeah. and there are. But not everyone's happy. Right. Not everyone likes it fast or yeah. likes it that way. Yeah. I think it, it, the challenging balance between being transparent about how you're as a leader, right? People are looking at leaders as in action, right. not just what you say, but it's what you do. It's what the, the actions that you put out. But then that vulnerability of tra uh, and transparency about what you might be feeling. So that balance between, you know, letting them know that you're there as a leader to help right the ship in certain ways, but also knowing that that your sort of humanity and in, in the challenges that you're going through too. Right. I think I think in the last year we've sort of seen that with Zoom and everyone's, you know, seeing the backgrounds and families and dogs and yep. I can't sorry, I can't you gotta be off because I've got this going on in the background or whatever, but I'm trying to and so like that vulnerability again, it goes back to trust. It goes back to that that trust between you know, employer, employee, leader, and and team, and that it's a it's a it's a tight balance between right. being overly vulnerable and transparent. Like you know, it'd be really yeah, you don't want to freak everyone out. Oh my god! And they're like, wait, wait, we're wait, uh, you're is, our leader, right? Leaders melting so, down. Yeah, but there but there is a little bit of that that authenticity around some of that, you know, yeah. and doing that well is is I mean that's a skill. It's hard. And I don't know that I did it well. I, I, I hope I did. I think at times I had to remember to say, oh, my gosh, this is so hard. Yeah. Or um, a lot of it was around <clears throat> planning for the remote hires and figuring out how we were going to go through a really, really busy season. Yeah. Fully remote. And we did a lot of a lot of had a lot of conversations about different elements. And I remember saying, OK, let's remember, we don't have to get this perfect. Yeah. You know, that's the job of the leader, right? Which is bring the humanity, which mm -hmm. is, I do not know what I'm doing. I think this is probably a good approach or less than even saying what you think, inviting others to say, what do you think is going to work? Yeah. You know, what are your, what are your ideas? A lot of time spent collaborating with yeah. other, with peer firms yeah. across the U S and in peer groups that, and that's how I met you really. Yeah. yeah. And to some extent, we, we worked with Cressa yeah. first, but we got to know each other and, I like that part about the last 14 months is that we've we've had to lean in more with each other and and talk and share and collaborate yeah. outside of our organizations to get there. So, you know, but back to the vulnerability, that's when people follow and believe you is when they know that you're bringing your true self mm -hmm. and that you're not blowing smoke. Mm -hmm. And that means that you say when you don't know what you're doing and that you're confused or disappointed yeah. or Boy, did we say that? Yeah, you know, say that a lot. But we don't do anything alone. We all do it as a team. Yeah. I think everyone at per I mean, I love that part of working at Perkins is that we review each other's work. We make decisions as a team. We yeah. cross check, and that usually comes out, you know, to the best solution we can come up yeah. with. Yeah. Um. And I'm excited to see more diversity come to the business, to our workforce. Yeah. You know, we're hiring people from other states, and that's only going to 
improve yeah. our outcomes. Yeah. I think one thing you mentioned, but just, you know, the peers across states and across organizations in, the, in your field, I think that's what we tried to see across, you know, multiple. I mean, your industry is competitive. Our industry is competitive, right? You're competing against this sort of the same pie in some cases, sure. right? With the other oh, yeah. firms. But I think, again, there's also this, this feeling that there is enough. There's enough out there for you to exist and me to exist and them to exist and them to exist. And so how then can we help each other figure that out? We're not like, you're going to win some, I'm going to win some, and that's okay. Right. You know, but can we share some things that will help us, you know, all raise that tide? And I think that's, you know, that's what I've seen too in the last year yeah. is that people are willing to do that. People are willing to collaborate. Maybe it's not within their same firm, but you know, figuring out how to do that, you know, and partner in some, in some capacity. So, and I appreciate that about you, Blake, because I think the perspective of abundance as opposed to scarcity is sometimes a personal choice mm -hmm. of, of an attitude to have. And I think if we look at Portland as a whole in the business community here, I would say that's been part of the definition of, of us, which is collaborate, share, yeah. work together, welcome, yeah. I hope. And, and, you know, create abundance as yeah. opposed to fighting fighting for scarcity. Yeah. We're believing that scarcity is is what we're looking at. Yeah. Going to self-care, what are some of the things that you do to chill out? I mean, what 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 just puts all the crap behind you and you're like, ah, this is just great. Well, I can't I can't go back to it, but I did watch the entire series of The Office. <laughs> um, and that really helped. That helped oh, a lot. Oh. You know, I don't have any anything that anyone else doesn't know, but really getting outside. Yeah. I was spending way too much time in my house yeah. and because we didn't, we didn't even used to take walks around our house because we yeah. weren't, we weren't home that much. Right. We were out at Timbers games. We were yeah. out at restaurants. We were out at, you know, work um, <laughs> night food markets or, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. Work. Yeah. And all of a sudden we're at home and it's like, we don't even know how to live around our home. It's like, get out and take a morning walk and right. breathe and, and pay attention to other things. I mean, I think the, I find, found myself watching really inane television because the news was hard and yeah. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. work was hard and yeah. that helped, but really friendships, therapy, yeah. great food, you know, and just a lot of gratitude and being thankful for the privilege that I have at all times during the pandemic. Every time I remember, I was reminded about my health and my family's health, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's a big deal to yeah. have that. Yeah. And so remembering those things goes a long way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then also you have to, at some point, demonstrate work-life balance. I mean, yeah. it's a bit of a trite statement, Which, but you got to step away. You have to show people that when you take time off that you aren't checking email all the time mm -hmm. you have to model that. And, and it's funny because since the pandemic, I found that just one evening with friends since we've you know, been vaccinated to be yeah. together is so unbelievably gratifying. Oh, yeah. And I kind of, I hope we keep we keep that we don't have to keep raising the bar and raising the bar on what our vacations have to look like because guess what leaving uh, the house is just great yeah, I know. <laughs> that's enough right now that's great yeah. so yeah that doesn't take much yeah so if you had the opportunity to have a coffee or cocktail with anybody in history past could be future could be today mm -hmm. anybody who would that be well probably right now i would say greta thunberg because she has immersed herself and she has a passion that I want to be continually inspired by and make sure that I don't get distracted about what contribution I'm leaving mm. 
on this planet. You know, I'm in my 40s. Classic time to be thinking about. <laughs> you and Greta are the same age. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. What What am I doing here? Like, what am I leaving behind? What's my mark? Yeah. yeah. And I love being a part of a locally owned business. I love yeah. being a part of being able to make a great place, hopefully, to work yeah. for people. That feels like a lot, but I want more than that, too. I, I want to remember that I can make a difference in other ways. So I feel like that's the first thing that comes to mind yeah. she, she, that her inspiration and her, her dedication blows me away. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sort of interesting about, I don't know. I think there's so many times we tie our, our person to what it is that we do. Right. And you, you ask, you know, you know, someone introduces themselves, oh, I'm so-and-so and this is what I do. And the reality is, I mean, I just got back from my grandfather's. He just passed away. He's 95 years old. He was a war vet. And he just realized like, what do you really want to my, I had a, my uncle that did the eulogy and he was talking about my grandpa always had a, you know, I had a lunchbox and he sort of described what was in the lunchbox. Like chicken was hard work. Right. And then like the, you like a water or whatever was, you know, sort of the grace he had. And it was just like, wow. at the end he said, you know, as you think about this and you think about your life, think about what you want in your lunchbox. And it was mm. like, Holy smokes, man. <laughs> like, Wow. It was just, it was just really, I mean, part of it was probably just in the moment with of my course. family and everything. But the other part was like, wow, like we had, like we have one life to live and what is it? What mark do you, you know, and it doesn't have to be saving the world or saving the children or saving everything, but like, what is it that you can impact in your little slice of Right. Of life? And it's, it can be remarkably a lot. Yeah. What you do with your money, whether it's donating or where you buy from what you, how you treat people, mm -hmm. um, what issues you decide matter and that you're going to speak up on. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I would say that I was absolutely, I absolutely had white silence around racism and diversity issues or diversity, equity, inclusion issues and yeah. accessibility. And I'm so thankful that things changed in a way, both with me and with the community that I work and live in that, that doesn't fly anymore. Yeah. It's not okay. It, um, it's, it's a disappointment that I have, but I really just need to focus forward and look at it all the time. Right. It's like Juneteenth is here. And mm -hmm. you know, what am I going to do with that? How, mm -hmm. how do I make a contribution in recognition of that? And so, you know, Greta is one of them. I would say that Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. with nonviolence mm -hmm. is another, you know, there's a lot of nonviolence resistance, nonviolent yeah. resistance, I would say. Yeah. Boy, I do not know <laughs> how you do that. Right. Talk like about patience. Um, and, patience and yeah. love and having a voice and a commitment to a cause. And so I'm, I'm really inspired by those ideas and I yeah. would like to be better. Yeah. Yeah. Better in those ways. Yeah. Personally. Yeah, inspiration for all of us, really. I sure, mean. sure. So um, where can people find out more about you and more about Perkins? I mean, check us out online. We have a pretty fresh website, just came out. Um, thank you, marketing department and, <laughs> and, and Verm in general. And, you know, we're on social media. I'm on LinkedIn. I would like to be on LinkedIn more, but, you know, I've I'm, I'm been spending a lot of time focusing on Perkins itself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, hopefully we will be back out in the community more like it was before. Yeah. I think Perkins has always cared about being in the community and yeah. being actively and additively involved 
And we all, I think most everyone wants to see that return. Yeah. Um, so hopefully yeah. you'll bump elbows with me. Well, I hope to see that too. I hope to see, I hope to see everything yeah. come back down uh, yeah. in the core. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's at the same time, I, I want the accessibility of people who aren't here to participate. Yeah. So I don't want it back the way it was, but right. I definitely want, you know, I want to, want to be back. Something. Yeah. yeah I want yeah, something. Some energy down. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Colleen. It was just a pleasure to sit and share and we didn't really talk about the disco ball in your office but no. that can be saved for another time absolutely we could do a whole podcast yeah. about that for sure <laughs> thank you for asking me about you know perkins and and my career at i don't think i have a lot that's unique but yeah i mean there were lessons learned we we went through it we're, we're still going through it you know people say that they say that there's nothing you know they're basic or nothing unique about what it is but your story matters and it, it really does and it matters to you one, but I think it matters to, to people listening and just like there's little tokens and anecdotes that people take from all these conversations. It's true. It's true. So, I have for yeah. sure. And that got me through a lot of, a lot of thinking and planning. Yeah. Yeah. So we appreciate months. you. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. you too. Thank you for listening to think beyond space, the PDX workplace insider podcast to follow along and get additional insights from each episode. Visit Cressa.com slash Portland. Please also take a minute to rate and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.